And the, you're not going to get rich with the podcast. If anything, you may lose money, you know, because you got to buy equipment and you got to spend time that you're not making money putting it into the show. But if you can figure out other ways, you know, growing your network, you know, making better business connections, I think that I've been able to get in the room with people that I'll work with in the, in the next few years. Podcast Junkies, episode 36. This intro is being recorded from a hotel room somewhere in the north part of California. So it's interesting because I don't have another guest lined up. I just have today's guest that I'm going to give an intro for. And it sort of speaks to the ephemeral nature of podcasting (laughs) because it's a challenge to always um, get things lined up perfectly and every podcaster who's listening right now can relate to that uh, theme about the best laid plans. But it's okay because I think every podcast has its own ebb and flow and this one's no different. So I'm happy to introduce today's guest. He's Ryan Williams. He's the host of the Influencer Economy. And I met, as I always do, through uh, an introduction from um, uh, a friend who thought we would hit it off on the podcast. And uh, he was uh, correct because it's, it's, it's very similar to the stories Ryan and I had. He's had some really good guests and he's had about uh let's see 45 episodes now and he's had folks like jordan harbinger and tucker max uh and jason gaynard on the podcast and it's called the influencer economy um and from itunes itself it says he explores the world of influence social media and people building revolutionary ideas online Listeners can learn from guests who make up the elite class of influencers, a group comprised of creators, entrepreneurs, and writers. I've heard uh, several of the interviews that uh, Ryan has had, and I think what's a common theme is that he finds a connection with his guests. I was especially drawn to his interview with Tucker Max because I think uh, at some point they started talking about uh, sports or baseball if i'm not mistaken but it just speaks to the fact that you can't treat each guest um the same and you can't think that what works for your previous one is going to work for the next one and i think it's a function of paying attention to who you have to the experience you have when you have um a guest who's sort of being in the moment with you. Um, and if you're not in the moment, you're going to miss what he's saying and you're not going to take the opportunity to find a connection. So I think that's what I did. And that's why you'll hear that uh, our conversation is pretty relaxed for some for two people who, as of a month ago, didn't even know each other. I don't think you would have guessed that. And um, it just speaks to uh, Ryan's style and my style I think at some point you'll actually hear him interview me which is always interesting but uh, it's uh, just a reminder of why I do the podcast and why it's so entertaining because you just never know 
where this will lead you. So to all you podcasters who are just getting started and you wonder why you podcast, if you do it for the love of podcasting, if you do it for the interaction you have with people who you had not even known of uh, weeks or months ago, and just for the chance of getting to speak to interesting people, then I think you're on the right path. And I think Ryan would agree with you. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation I had with Mr. Ryan Williams of the Influencer Economy. So welcome one more time to Podcast Junkies, Mr. Ryan Williams. Thank you so much for having me. Happy (laughs) to be here. Um, It's always fun and interesting to... uh, I wish I had enough time to prepare a B-roll for a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's happened with all the interviews I had so far. I'm sure you've had stories, too, of interesting stuff that other podcasters would probably get a laugh out of. Oh, yeah, all the the behind-the-scenes conversations and (laughs) mishaps. And there's always, when you're first starting out, you don't know how to use the equipment very well. Yeah. So I had that one interview that I, I never published because I didn't record properly. Yeah, everyone always asks. I, so far, knock on wood, I haven't had one that I didn't publish. I did have one where I was speaking to someone and like six minutes in, it was going really well. And I realized the, the call recorder like wasn't blinking and I was like, ah, man, shit. What'd you do? <laughs> I just kept going. I said, uh, you don't happen to have been recorded in your end. So there was a couple of you know tidbits in the beginning that we missed. But I, I mean, we, the interview went almost an hour, so I still had plenty of material left. So Yeah, I always uh, try to record it as much as possible. But there's that one time when... It was my fourth interview. I didn't record it at all. I used this uh, program that I, I don't use anymore. Yeah. And it was a friend, luckily, so it wasn't a deal breaker. But I, I always, uh, it's like buyer beware for people that are first starting out and they podcast where they try to go after big names in their <laughs> industry. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Like, you should get your format down and your technology and the process before you start getting people that have a, like, very little time to waste, like, that are celebrities or, or famous in your business. So, um, so jumping right into that, you're, you recently re- republished your first episode, uh, episode as episode number forty, with um, uh, the guy from Rooster yeah, Teeth, Bur- right? Yeah, Bernie Burns. Yeah, Bernie Burns. So, was he? And a lot of times, people try try to plan out their launch, and they plan probably they they pick their first you know five or six people that are able to get recorded, and then they figure out okay, this is the person I would want I'd want to do first. Did you give it some thought about? who you wanted and why you wanted them as like, let's say part of your first five to 10. Yeah. I was really lucky to get Bernie and I didn't want to do a podcast for a lot of years. I was at a lunch with a friend and just said, Hey, I'd love to interview Bernie. And she said, he's great. He'd be perfect. I'll introduce you tomorrow. Yeah. And it just happened serendipitously very much luck had it that he was coming to LA cause they're based in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And uh, we met at the YouTube space in Mar Vista, Los Angeles and they uh, had a big event. It was a charity fundraiser called Tubathon, hosted okay. by uh, Shira Lazar of What's Trending. It's yeah. actually a really cool event. Every time someone hashtagged uh, Tubathon, uh, a, a, a corporate sponsor would give money to an L.A. homeless shelter. Very nice. And so uh, Bernie and I connected there, and I'm writing a book as well. So he thought I was interviewing him for the book and didn't realize I had a podcast, but then was really excited when he found out that I did have a podcast. So we went away in the YouTube space. We couldn't find a private room. We found this hallway. And so if you heard the episode, a lot of doors <laughs> cling and clack. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have any microphones. I just set up my Zoom recorder. And he was the best interview ever. Yeah. And totally made me look great. 
That's awesome. That's an, that's an auspicious way to start a podcast. Um, and then from there, did you s- just reach out to all the people that you actually knew uh, that you thought would fit what the topic of your podcast was going to be? Um, my philosophy with the podcast was play the hand you're dealt hmm. and play to the skills that you have and the connections of, to people that you already know. And I had been at a company called machinima.com, which is a massive YouTube channel around gaming content. Yeah. So I knew tons of people in the YouTube space. And I knew these emerging creators were going to become super successful business people. So from Bernie, actually, uh, in, in, I'm writing a book about podcasting. There's a chapter about finding your first follower yeah. and how you need someone to catalyze your movement. And uh, Bernie was the first person to endorse me. So I had social proof with Bernie, which is so important. So he introduced me to Shira Lazar at the event, guest number two, Taryn Southern, who's a YouTube actress. I met her there. Yeah. Freddie Wong, okay. guest number six, was because of Bernie. So it was yep. a domino effect. And, and it just worked out that way. Yeah, you've had some interesting guests on. I, was, I listened to uh, your interview with Tucker Max, and I, I think I always enter, enjoy Tucker Max interviews. What? My, <laughs> just, my friends told me I made him sound very likable. Yeah. Well, I think now that he's uh, gro- grown up and, you know, I, I guess matured or w- whatever you want to call it, he, that, that phase of his life, as he was alluding to in your interview, like it doesn't exist anymore. And he just, you know, when people corner him at a party and they're like, hey, tell me something, tell me a story about something that happened like 10 years ago. He's like, dude, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm way past that. So it's funny how um, I think that the, the genre is called a frat lit, what he started. Yes. And, yeah, and I've heard him on, so I heard him on your show and I heard him on... Um, uh, Dave Asprey had him on, and Ari Mizell, I think, had him on as well. So yeah, he was a funny guest, and so it was one of these. That's what I love about podcasting is you get to chat with people or meet folks that you would never come across, yeah. and you have a reason to actually to connect. And also in the business world, it's great because you get to talk to people that are a lot more successful, yeah, people that are way above your weight class. So you get to punch at a very high, like heavyweight division when you're, you know, only starting out on your own, and just because you're recording it. They're, they they would be a lot more interested than if they went to have an informational interview with you. Yeah, I think, and I think it's um, advice I always give to folks because a lot of times when you have them on the show, you'll find that they're just normal people, right? You know, they just want to tell their story. Yep. And if you can usually tell within the first five to 10 minutes, if you're going to have an engaging conversation with them, if it's going to be relaxed and your audience is going to hear it too, right? If it sounds silted and it sounds like you're forcing your way through a list of questions, people are probably going to tune out pretty quickly. Oh, totally. And it's like, if you're bored, the audience will be bored. <laughs> yeah. If you're laughing, the audience will laugh. And so that's always exactly. my litmus test. If I'm bored, then I try to change the subject as soon as possible. So how do you prevent yourself from being bored if, in fact, you are doing maybe some, a bit of research into the type of guests that you want to have on your show? I'm typically not bored. There are moments when I'm bored. Yeah. But really, I, I want to interview people that I'm interested in meeting. Yeah. And so I'll often get connected through listeners to other potential guests. And I used to think that was a great formula, but then I would interview people that were boring. <laughs> and so now I have to figure out what to do with some of these people. And it's nothing personal against them. It just didn't, didn't work out that way. But for the most part, I've been lucky that the guests I have are really interesting and they tend to open up. And so from uh, actually the, one of my favorite episodes, which uh, came from that YouTube event I went to last year, was this guy Flula. And he's a German DJ yeah. on YouTube who essentially got deported from the US back to Germany. This guy made a video about being depressed in Germany with his family. He's from Bavaria. And uh, he ended up getting on the front page of Reddit, and that video nice. got half a million views. 
And that was the catalyst to realize that, hey, he wanted to be a YouTube creator. And that nice. kind of stuff that you wouldn't get ordinarily from, you know, just having conversations day to day that I find keeps me going, especially with the podcast. And you, you know how it's brick by brick, you know, getting listeners, getting people to subscribe via email. And so stories like that always uplift me. And it's just a fascinating time that we can actually have many media companies that are out of our suitcases yeah. and in our home offices. And, you know, sometimes I have my, my baby daughter screaming in the other room. You know, I have this, this guy, I don't know if you listen to Alan Steppenwall interview. No, not yet. Oh, he, he was, he's a great interview, right? Yeah. And, uh, so I'm, so I, he, he was on the East coast. He could only talk at like seven thirty in the morning Pacific. Yeah. So I get up early. My wife takes my daughter out to breakfast and then I go in my living room, which is my office at that point. There's starting to cut down trees in the front yard. I'm like, who cuts down trees at seven thirty <laughs> in the morning? Then I, from the tree cutting, I go back into my, my kitchen, right next to my bathroom. My toilet is, the door's open and it's, it's flowing. That's so I'm like, pick your poison. Like, what do I want a tree sounds in the background or a toilet from the bathroom? And it's that, that kind of stuff that the audience never hears. And then even sometimes like we're talking about the behind the scenes, the person you interview actually, if they can hear it, they laugh. Yeah. They, they understand. I think, uh, I mean, we're at a point that uh, the more natural it sounds, the better. I, there's something to be said for the NPR style of podcast. And I'm a big fan of, you know, folks like Roman Mars, 99% Invisible, and what the folks at um, Startup are doing. Um, a lot of people have that as a goal. Man, I've got to have this super clean show that probably has like five producers oh, on yeah. it. And like editors and, and scripts. Apparently, like uh, Serial was... A year or two years in the making, I think, before they oh, even totally. started. Yeah. And they launched off of This American Life. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. So, I mean, you and I launched our podcast on, you know, the backs of ourselves. Off of our American lives. Yeah, life. our own American <laughs> lives, our, our significant others. Um, yeah, I think when you were touching on building the fan base one by one, you had an interview with Jeff Ulrich of uh, Earwolf, and I think um, it, it touched upon one of the articles that, that I'm really a fan of. It's that 1,000 True Fans article. Oh, yeah, the uh, Kevin Kelly article. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. About how you got, if you can get a thousand fans that pay a hundred dollars uh, once a year, you can, you can make livable money. Yeah. And I think um, everyone that's just getting into podcasting, um, depending on where they came from, right? Depending if, if they've always seen it as a hobby and then someone introduced it to them and, and they sort of built it up organically, then they know that it's hard work, you know. But if they jumped into one of these, you know, famous podcaster programs, you know, they may go into it with uh, different expectations and saying, well, I'm just going to follow this ABC formula. And in six months, I'm going to have, you know, 10,000, 100,000 downloads per episode. Um, and, and then I'll start making my millions. And then all the advertisers will come knocking on my door and, you know, and, and, and I'll be set. Are you talking about when listeners or podcast creators can join a, a club or pay us to join a, yeah, yeah, to yeah. join a group? Yeah, exactly. And that's such a shame because I feel like there's a, fa a false uh, mythology out there where podcasters think they can jump in and to your point, follow a formula and get a big base of listeners that it's, a, it's, a, I, I don't like people that try to sell that kind of business because it just creates this false sense that this is all so natural, <laughs> right? And it's not. And I think that everyone, if you have a podcast base of 40 people and they yeah. actually buy your books and they buy your products, what, that, that should give you satisfaction. It doesn't yeah, exactly. you don't need to be in the you know, top 10 business podcast on iTunes. 
It's just a fascinating time. I mean, it's it's. I really think it's, it's exciting. I've been doing it since the beginning of 2014. And I think you started in 2014 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I there's times when I want to be more regular than I am now, and I feel like I'm. I know. I, I think you and Michael talked about it. On uh, I mean, you and Jeff talked about it um, in terms of being regular, uh, having a, a regular schedule, and publishing on a regular basis. And you know, we. We plan on doing that, and then real world, real life kicks in, and you're like, "Oh no, couldn't couldn't record an episode this week for for some reason or another." It just doesn't happen. Life, <laughs> life business, family get in the way. Yeah, and it, it, I feel like unless you do it full time or you're yeah. getting paid to do it as part of your job, yeah, then it's so hard to pull off. So uh, the other interesting guest that I, uh, who's fan of my podcast of, is um, Michael Wolf. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah, and so Michael, I actually started following Michael at the same time I started my podcast because my podcast, you know, uh, as you know, is is podcast junkies. I interview other podcasters, so it's already kind of meta itself. And then Michael started having podcasters on the show, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, he's doing something that I want to do. But obviously, he th- he he only went at it for a certain period of time, and he's obviously big on technology, and he's got another podcast now that he's doing home electronics. Or yeah, home he's automation. gone into other areas like smart home and trying to figure out new technology. He, he's brilliant because his business is around research. Yeah. So he publishes research that he actually gets via the podcast. And he's, he writes for Forbes. So I think he's had contact with a lot of different folks. I think he used to write for GigaOM and that's where he met Mark Cuban. And he just simply made an ask for Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban ended up being on the show. Yeah, he was, he was brilliant. And uh, the best part about that is the byproduct was so Michael Wolf came on the podcast, and he re uh, he posted on his SoundCloud the episode, and his listeners liked it so much. They're like, "Hey, can you actually publish this again on your network?" So he published it, and I got two thousand listens nice. very early on, which I was yeah, so yeah. thrilled about because he posted it separately on his SoundCloud channel. Very cool. Yeah, I've had that happen. I had someone who I interviewed for my show. They took our episode. It was one of their my most popular. Uh, theirs was it was so popular that they basically broke it out into a three-part episode oh really and and put it on their podcast and they said you know they were getting feedback like left and right because we were just going into depth about a whole range of topics not all related to podcasting either (laughs) just like uh you know messages from the universe and now you need to follow your calling and stuff like that and so what, what i thought was one of the best comments was the guy told me that his mom told him I learned stuff about you I didn't even know. It was so cool to I've never heard you on a podcast like that open. Oh, for, so, on your your listeners? Yeah, for that episode, like uh like the guest's mom told him that oh, that's when, great. When, when she heard it. So Oh the mom learned more. Yeah. <laughs> through your interviewing techniques. <laughs> Which I thought was a, a testament to going in depth um on a com- with a conversation on a topic that I enjoy. Well I've, I've speaking about the universe telling you something, I've I'd been thinking about podcasts for years. Yeah. And it was it's so hard to execute. And I had to actually not have a full-time job to do it. Hmm. Because I've worked in the startup world for 7 years in LA and there were some really successful companies and you're married to your job. You know, yeah. you're at a startup, you got to answer that email on Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever and travel at the top of you know, drop of a hat. And so if I had a full-time job and I I now consult, but if I had I, I knew I wouldn't have done it. And so I had to break away and for me I'm Attempting to, I've been able to reposition my career with storytelling being a part of it, which yeah. I thought was critical in this day and age. You have to have your own platform creating stories. Yeah. And some of us write, some of us 
do podcasts, others have YouTube. But I think that in in the era of you know modern day media moguls, which I'm not saying that I am, but I aspire to be one, you have to book your own gigs and create your yeah. own content because you can't wait for someone to come and find you. Yeah, we have to wear all the hats, right? We have to be, be the show scheduler, the show booker, the show researcher, the the website updater, the social media guy, you know, the the in-person handshaker, like all those things at the same time. Yeah, I call it, I call it the Jay-Z effect. <laughs> Jay-Z does 50 jobs. He's an executive. Yeah. He, he performs. He's married to Bay. You know, he's yeah. got like so many things that he wears, so many different hats that he wears, but he does it well. Well, he's at the point now where he probably, he has top people doing each one of those things for him and he just kind of gives the nod and it's like yeah do this yeah he's a bunch of chief of staffs <laughs> i don't have do you, how many chief of staffs do you have uh counting myself one one <laughs> who is that you <laughs> yeah yeah this is it's a great game though i mean do you have a end game what do you so so it's interesting like um I, that's why I love, really love talking to podcasters, man, because we just go back and forth. Everyone's got their own strategy. And I've talked to, you know, John Lee Dumas, hugely successful people. And then folks like, you know, Dave Jackson's been doing it since 2005 or something like that. You know, Ray Ortega, um, who just literally were doing it because they love podcasting. And for me, you know, I, I sort of went into it with the mindset of like, well, if I follow this formula, I can monetize it, get advertisers on. But what I've quickly discovered is number one, it's not that easy. Number two, um, it takes work to build your audience. Um, and you just have to always work at it. And like you said, if, if you've got a full-time job or you've got other projects you're working on, um, e- even if you were doing it full-time, it's, it'd still be a long road. So I think it's important to take the long view for myself. What I've seen the podcast become is a fantastic networking tool. You know, I've met so many people as a result of either having them on the show or mentioning that I have a podcast or being introduced because of someone that I interviewed to someone else for other ventures that I'm working on. I I, I mentioned to you I'm doing a conference. I've got speakers for the conference as a result of the podcast. So uh, I don't think you can exactly say what it's going to be when it starts out. But I I do know that if you continue at it, um, it'll turn into something um, that's beneficial for you in the long run. I totally agree. It's like the ROI isn't financial. Yeah, and the, you're not going to get rich with the podcast. If anything, you may lose money, you know, because you got to buy equipment and you got to spend time that you're not making money putting it into the show. Yeah. But if you can figure out other ways, you know, b- growing your network, it, you know, making better business connections, I think that I've been able to get in the room with people that I'll work with in the in, in the next few years yeah. that I never would have met without the podcast. And I'm not trying to do a quick deal. That's one thing I've avoided on the podcast is I don't really ask for a lot of favors from the people that I interview other than give me your time. And if you would share it on social media, great, yeah. but I'm not trying to get rich quick and try to do quick deals with these people. Cause I'd rather have them a part of my community over the next five years than try to do something in the next six months that may alienate them. Yeah. I think it's important to, to treat it as a long-term relationship. And it's something that uh, I always knew in the back of my mind, but after speaking to folks like John Corcoran, and I, re- I recently read uh, Judy Robinette's book, uh, How to Be a Power Connector, I think it's called. And she's t- amazing tips and along the lines of what John talks about. And I've actually s- engaged with her and built a, started a relationship with her just through Twitter and emails, just because I'm interested in what she says. And I respond and I engage and I follow and I comment. And, and people like that. Sometimes those little things go a long way to show people you're interested and, and people appreciate that and they reply back. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think the, the art of the cold email is something that you can't underrate in the podcast yeah. world. I've gotten some amazing guests 
that become friends of mine just because I sent them an email. I said, mm-hmm. hey, I like the show you do or I like what you're up to. And, and I think podcasters in general are the big ones at this point. I think we're lucky that we're early in the game because these other big names are still accessible. But yeah. I think the more flooded the podcast market gets, the, just the more confusing it will be. And we'll look back and say, oh, wow, we interviewed that person a year ago and they've blown up. Mm-hmm. And if we try to reach them now, they would have all these different handlers and media people. And anytime I get a PR person involved, I know it's not going to work out well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, you got to go through so many walls just to get to that person. Um, so when you... so. Getting back to your actual podcast, uh, The Influencer Economy, was that the podcast you always had in mind? Like you said, you've been thinking about podcasting for a couple of years before you even started. Was that the one that you always wanted to start? Yeah, without any doubt. I would have done this podcast or no podcast. Okay. And I brought it to the full when I was at Machinima, and we're essentially a YouTube network for video gamers. And for those that don't know what Machinima is, it's you know an ESPN-type format where people play Call of Duty or they play Minecraft and do gameplay over it. They make funny animation shorts or we would go to E3 and Comic-Con and gaming conferences and cover it. So I watched these guys that we had in our network amass hundreds of thousands of dollars creating YouTube videos, playing Call of Duty, living at home with their parents. And sometimes parents would call in and say, why are you sending my kid $50,000 checks? And we'd say, well, you signed a form. I didn't sign this form. You know, why are you sending my kid money? And we're like, well, he plays Minecraft really well. And he has a great voice. And he's got this awesome community of half a million subscribers on YouTube. And I was so fascinated by it. I loved it. These were do-it-yourself entrepreneurs that were creators. And they weren't raising money in Silicon Valley. And I felt like that narrative of, hey, you got to get you know, a billion dollar valuation for your startup, or you have to be the next Zuckerberg or get acquired by Google, or you're a failure is such a a misnomer. And that you can be a great business person, an entrepreneur, and do really well for yourself, but not try to raise a bunch of venture capital. Do you think that the folks who were doing the gamers who were um, on Machinima knew or would call themselves entrepreneurs or just really just fanatic, you know, fans of of gaming who just happened to be able to be in a position to monetize their hobby. I think the, the first generation fell into it. Yeah. They didn't know it was going to be an emerging industry worth billions of dollars. They did it because they were fanatic. But now people, I think the entrepreneurship part of it is almost just part of the package. Most people want to mm-hmm. be famous. They want to get subscribers and the YouTubers in general want to get attention and they want to get notoriety. And the entrepreneurship hustle, I think only certain people have. But I think in general, the first generation of any industry, especially like the podcast space, like when Mark Marin and, and Nerdist, you know, Chris Hartwick started, this whole thing didn't even exist as, a, yeah. as an ecosystem. And now they're, you know, the I, I would consider, like, who's your Mount Rushmore of a podcast? Like, those guys are, are on mine. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I, I think everyone leaves an honorary space up there for uh, Adam Carolla. Yep. <laughs> and then... Uh, Mark, you know, Mark Maron, obviously, and uh, Chris, you know, talk about Chris Hardwick. And I, I started out in the entrepreneurial space. So I, I look at people that started back then, like uh, this guy that I interviewed, Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, Rear Tega, the Podcaster Studio, Daniel J. Lewis, Audacity did a podcast. Um, Elsie, Elsie Escobar, she's the community manager at Lipson. Okay. And, and she had a yoga podcast in like 2006, probably one of the most, one of the first female yoga podcasters. And so 
they were in that space as well. When I when I first started podcasting, for me, since I was a DJ, it, podcasting equated to music. It's just DJs with their 60-minute sets, and for me, that's a podcast. And it was only until I had an app that was for DJs um, that I wanted to get a podcast for. I started listening to podcasts. And then, I mean, the whole Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas world opened up, and I'm like, wow, what, what's going on here? And now that you're immersed in it, you know, it seems like everyone's a podcaster, obviously, but it's it's a very small percentage. But, you know, we talk to them all the time. So it seems like we run into them everywhere we go. Like there's a stat that 70% of podcasters get to episode 10. It's it's either 70 or 80%. Yeah, I heard it was seven uh, was the number, actually. Seven. So, yeah, you know, we're ahead of the game. <laughs> um, what what kind of DJ were you? Uh, I still do electronic music, more like, like house music. I grew up uh, in New York, so... I literally grew up around the time that house music started and it's just a fantastic time to be around in New York City and, and actually go to the clubs and check out all these DJs that are like world famous now. Yeah, and now that industry's blown up. It's. I think I feel like I have to clarify some, sometimes because I like electronic music, but I hate EDM. Yeah, there's a big differentiator. <laughs> and so like EDM is like the, the, the pyrotechnics and just the super repetitive monotonous beats and air horns and everything that's like not like soulful dance music who's who are some of your favorite artists i'm leaning more into like the techno side now so i listen to folks like tale of us uh maceo plex uh classics like dj sneak Derek carter mark farina um you know i just grew up around those folks and just really like anything that they play i'm always there to see them so what's your take on the i pod mix for the dj like do you actually have turntables i do i grew up i learned on techniques 1200s and i actually still have them and so what what do you think of djs that don't have turntables you could probably see them back oh dude look at the record collection (laughs) yeah i've got my vinyl there too you're so silver lake (laughs) you you, you get off the airport you move to silver lake they give you a pair of chuck taylor's skinny black jeans and then a crate of 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 uh, records and um, a really, really strong coffee. And, a, and, a, and you have to have your favorite microbrew, your favorite microbrewed coffee, or no, yeah. cold coffee. What I haven't done is grown out the super beard. Right? You're, you're only a few months away. I'm sensing yeah, it. Yeah. I see it. No, this is as, this is as much as it gets. Um, uh, yeah. I, it's funny because I see them walking down the streets and, and, and uh, it's getting warmer here. It's getting, it was like 80 degrees yesterday. And I'm like, isn't that beard fucking hot? Like, Yeah. It's, it's all about the look. You know, these guys, the, they, they can suffer through the hot weather. The Portlandia did a fantastic uh, take on the baristas. And apparently they were like meat in the basement of like a coffee shop. And they were just like typical like suspenders, like uh, like old school, like uh, shirts and like uh, twirly mustache. Uh, a monocle. You got to have a monocle <laughs> if you live in Silver Lake. Yeah. So when I podcasted for the first time, I think I just had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And now do you find that everyone now has a big podcast launch strategy? I think people feel like they need to because, like I said, it probably depends like through which door they entered, right? And if they join this program, like these programs, they're gonna, that's what they're teaching them. Do you like the programs? Them. I was in uh, Podcaster's Paradise to start. So I learned a lot in the beginning. But what happens is as the community grows – you have new people coming in and they're just like, hey, how's my artwork? And I'm like, oh, I want to have discussions. That was like a, a year and a half to go discussion for me. Um, so it, you grow out of it and then you find your community elsewhere. Like the, a lot of my 
guests came from that community. I went to Podcast Movement. I met really cool people there. And uh, those people, those connections that I made ended up being on the show. But like I said, I have a wide variety of interests. I love Joe Rogan. You know, I I love comedy podcasts. I love music podcasts. So right now I've, I've got a pretty wide open space because it's podcasters, right? So I could literally interview any one of the probably 10, I don't even know if we're in the hundreds of thousands of podcasters at this point now, but um, I try to stay with people that I've either met or, or, or who've reached out. So at least I have some backstory because like I said, I want to talk to interesting people and a lot of times you won't know that going in cold. And do you think you're, uh, you're are you married? I am. Do you think your marriage <laughs> has <laughs> questionable moments because of your podcasting habit? Um, I would say no, mine well, does. Yeah, I heard that episode where you, you said, hey guys, I had to squeeze in, I forgot which one it was. You're like, I had to squeeze it in and my wife's really mad at me. But Oh uh, yeah, that was great. It was a holiday <laughs> party. I was always from North Carolina. So we went back yeah. there for Christmas and I'm like, yeah, my, cause I had to record the intro because it was mm-hmm. about cereal. And so I had this guy, Ty Hillebrand on, who's now a friend of mine who I reached out via cold email and yeah. he came on and I did the intro cause cereal just ended and you can't have the cereal wrap up podcast. Yeah. That's true. And talking about the media ramifications. So I'm like, yeah, my wife is uh, really mad at me. I got to make this short. And <laughs> it definitely gets in the way because she loves that I do it and she knows that I need to do it. But she also needs, she doesn't like me working 60 hours a week on everything. So it's just funny that she has this perspective of, she's a firm believer in what I do, but then she's like, hey, because I have a kid now, right? So she's like, yeah, you've got to be with our daughter at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> Okay. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have no kids. So, um, yet, so thankfully, um, you know, she's been very supportive and she knows it's cause I think when they see that it's something that you're passionate about and like really lights you up when you talk about it at some point, they get tired of you talking about it and they're like, all right, I don't want to hear about any more podcasting stories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a limit to that, but you know, they see it's something that, that really, um, you get excited about and it's it's fun for you. And you know, I've got my whole setup here in, in my office here. So she knows when I'm in here that I'm, you know, I, she gives me space and I said, I'm, I'm talking to a guest or I got to record some intros. So I think you just have to over communicate in that case. Do you, uh, did she listen to your show? She's listened on occasion and she's had some interesting comments. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because I, I think a lot of it is inside baseball stuff. And, you know, I, I talk to podcasters and we just, we make all these jokes about other podcasters, not about other podcasts or, or things of that nature. And if you don't listen to podcasts regularly and you don't know the names, it could get extremely boring. So, so meta. <laughs> so meta. And she's like, yeah, you know, there were a couple where it was not, interestingly enough, not about podcasting. And it was, I was just uh, getting into more motivational stuff with one of the, you know, one of the guests, the guys, the brothers from Satori Prime. And she really enjoyed that one. Um, so I think she picks and chooses a couple of them to hear, but I, I, I don't think if I had to bet that whether or not she's listened to every single one, I would say no. Oh yeah. My wife <laughs> listens to nary a podcast and she, she still subscribes on iTunes, but they were taking up all this memory cause she had everyone downloaded that we just had to okay. get rid of them. Same with my mom. Cause they, I mean, my mom has, thinks this is a foreign language. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's super supportive and she likes hearing about it. And so I don't know. It's just a funny thing because podcasting within this community that we're in, it's can get so drilled down and specific that for me, I'm always trying to broaden up my episodes because sometimes Mm -hmm. I get five minutes and someone's told me this really fascinating thing. And I'm like, 
no one's going to know what this guy's talking about. So I have to bring it back out and ask, you know, a dumb question. Like, how do you explain what you do if my mom was listening? Yeah, exactly. Well, like the, I was going to ask you about uh, Machinima, but then you actually graciously explained what Machinima was because a lot of people wouldn't even know what that is, much less, you know, it's enough that we're talking about podcasting and the intricacies and outs and, and, and uh, all, all the pain points of podcasting. But then you start talking about a whole nother world, which is, I'm sure is a world in and of itself, right? Yeah, my actually an, a, the world of itself, though, I think I'm a, a lot better interview subject, I think. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> but having the privilege of interviewing really good interviewees, yeah. like Willie Geis from the Today Show, who's on the air and interviews everyone, he was so good at breaking it down. We're talking about his book, you know, and I'm getting yeah. into a question. He's like, well, actually, let me, I talked about this before, but my dad, I wrote this book and, you know, it's called Good Talk Dad. And he was so good at just distilling the core of what he was thinking to yeah. like let the listener in and. And I have this episode coming up with uh, Tom Merritt, who uh, hosts a daily tech podcast and used to be part of Leo Laporte's uh, This Week mm-hmm. in Technology Startups. And he, he was telling me, in his view, his listener is the third audience member. So mm-hmm. he has a guest and himself and then a listener. Yeah. And he was saying it more because they comment sometimes and they're really smart in the comments. But for me, I think the listener is the third person I'm telling the story to. So I have to figure out how to articulate what we're doing because i also don't want to have to go back and edit yeah i've been trying to do these in one shot now especially since uh, i'm not doing them myself now and i i try to give as uh i try to make it as easy for my editor as possible and i'm cognizant of that and i'm even speak i speak more slowly or more deliberately and i'm even conscious of when i'm about to either clear my throat or sit throw in an um or an ah because you really hear those uh clearly when you're editing later and you're like, wow, I, I really said it that yeah. much. Yeah. Or when you say like, I said like once in this episode, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, but th- your point about keeping a focus on the listener is really uh, important because uh, Dave Jackson actually talked about this. He said he puts a picture of his like avatar because in entrepreneurial space, they talk about your avatar, your ideal guest, like who is he? Like, his, his name is, you know, Johnny, he's 26, he's married, has two kids, has a dog, his wife works here, blah, blah, blah. So, so they get, they hone down, so laser focused on their avatar. And what he does, he's, he says he's got a picture of his avatar on his wall. And he looks at that picture while he's doing the podcast. A lot of what he does is he, he teaches people tips on podcasting. So he's, a lot of his shows are solo. So he basically focuses on the person. He's like, hey, so yeah, I'm talking to you today. And, you know, this is what are the tips I want to give you. And I imagine it colors his message and it makes it feel more personable for the audience and thinking about that person listening exactly do do you ever listen to shows and think that you're asking questions for yourself and then you realize you're stopped asking for the listeners yeah well i think if the listener is interested in or is a fan of your show they almost um i'm not going to say they they take on your mindset but they know what they're going to get when they're listening to you so if they've listened to your show enough times like they know who ryan williams is and they know they start to get your sense of humor they start to get a flow for how you ask questions a flow for the things that you enjoy you know uh, they they pick up on instances where you go deep with a guest and where you kind of 
fast forward and you're like, oh, that's not something that I want to talk about too much. So they almost have, not, I'm not going to say they adopt your persona, but they're like, oh, okay, Ryan Williams, he's like into sports or, you know, he used to work in, he, he knows a lot about gaming and things like that. So they, they sort of know like when you have a, an ideal guest on, like how you're going to structure your questions. Um, and I think that's, that they probably become one of your true fans because they're, they, they're sticking around. Yeah, they're, I have this great story that I'm so happy about, but this guy, he told me, he, he like he said, I really like your show, but you interrupt your guests. So this guy emails me this out of the blue. He's like, like your show, you interrupt your guests. Fix it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I took a step back and I was like, I'm not going to write an emotional response. What, what's happening here is that this guy is actually complimenting me because he's emailing me. He, get, exactly. he gives a crap. Yeah. So how can I help this guy understand that I'm actually aware of what he says? I may not be able to ever fix it, but I'm listening. So I wrote him back and said, thanks for the feedback. Which episodes are you talking about? I'm actually working on that. You know, I tried to tell him that I'm, I get it. I'm actually wasn't really working on it, but I was aware of people potentially thinking that. So he says to me, oh, this one episode with Harrison Barnes, but I've listened to 10 episodes since. And because you got back to me, so quickly, I told people in my office about your show. Mm-hmm. And so then the guy emailed me a bunch of times afterwards, and he said he bought three books because of the podcast. And nice. So it's one of these moments where it's like even the worst supporter, unless it's someone who's just trolling you, like if someone takes the time to email a negative piece of feedback, they are taking the time to email you. I think there's some s- sort of phenomenon that's somewhat uh, related to people when they find new bands. And when they really get in on the ground floor and they're just so proud of the fact that they saw this, you know, Aerosmith in the basement at, you know, Johnny's pub or <laughs> whatever it was, like I was there when, and there's an, an aspect of, of that with podcasts because there, there's just so many, right? There's no way that everyone is going to be a fan of every podcast out there because you just literally don't have the time to, to listen to them all, to, to listen to them on a regular basis really get a feel for the 20, 30, or 40 episodes it takes to understand whether it is it's something you like or not. I mean, I've outgrown podcasts, and I just have a limited time. Uh, I think you were having a conversation with someone about, whether I think uh, the guy from Earwolf, about whether he listens to the podcast, and he just, we just don't have the time anymore, right? So we're so um, focused on making sure that the ones we do listen to are, are worth our time. Right. And, and so the people who do listen, they're at that point now – you know, at that inflection point and saying, is, is Ryan someone I want to keep listening to? Because my time is precious. Yeah. Um, and is, you know, is, is, should I keep listening to him and, you know, with the, as one of the 10 podcasts I listen to regularly? Yeah. Do you listen to a lot? Cause I've, I've stopped. Sometimes it gets too meta. Yeah. And I think I'm like way involved my podcast, their other people's podcasts, unless I'm doing research for a guest, yeah. I have to just listen to podcasts that aren't, business and just completely check out yeah i've I've narrowed it down uh tremendously i've got a whole slew of podcast related podcasts that i listen to just to hear what's going on with uh the industry so to speak and see if there's anything anything cool that people are doing from a marketing perspective any cool tools that's where i hear about some of the new stuff that's coming out um where i heard about patreon and 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 this podcast other podcasting tool that's plugs into skype that records like lossless audio now um, so all these, all these new, new, uh, companies 
are really making a name for themselves. You know, a, com- a company like Call Recorder, like before podcasting, was probably just known from people who wanted to record a Skype conversation. Right. <laughs> but now everyone who's who's Skyping knows that you have to use either uh, Pamela for Windows or Call Recorder for Mac. So, I mean, they literally probably built their business now off of podcasting. Yeah, exactly. It's like all these tools are being monet- so, yeah. monetizable. So, yeah, listen to that. And then... Um, uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast is great, and I just pick and choose now people that who who I find interesting. Right. I think it's it's a lot to do with an interesting host, because if they just ramble on, um, and each podcast episode starts to sound the same or like it's uh, um, an assembly line they're they're pushing through, um, then I, I lose interest really quick. What uh, what comedy podcast do you like? Uh, Joe Rogan's Duncan Trussell's is hilarious. Who's that? <laughs> Uh, Duncan Trussell is a, he, he's an LA based comedian. Um, interestingly enough, we have the same barber. <laughs> I was telling my barber, I like, I, I like podcasting. He's like, do you know Duncan Trussell? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, he comes it's in It's funny. Here. I have random things like that where you talk to someone about podcasting and like, oh, I love this guy. And you're like, oh yeah, that's like this guy, Greg Fitzsimmons. He's a podcast. And then I was like looking at a school for my kid and they're like, oh yeah, Greg Fitzsimmons, you know, he, his kid went here. I guess it's like an exclusive club. Yeah. That's funny. Do you, do you think that you'll be podcasting in five years? I definitely think so. Um, especially with the the way I'm taking my show is more of like a passion project. And um, and uh, there's so many interesting people jumping in. Uh, and there's probably a ton of people that are not podcasting that you're fans of. And then a year from now are going to have a podcast. So from my perspective, since I talk to podcasters, I always feel there's someone um, I could have a conversation with. I probably have enough material to literally put out a seven day a week podcast, but it's just, it's not in me. I don't have the time. And I just think it would just burn me out and burn the audience out if I'm just hammering through a bunch of rote interviews. Yeah, I agree. I have a bunch, I probably have 10 saved up right now Yeah, that I, I I'd love to binge and put them all out, but there's no point. So you got to pace yourself. I think so. Are, are you on a regular schedule? No, they're as needed or as they come up. And I often go to events where I meet people that are interesting and then podcasts come. But no, I think people that try to structure this as much as they can, I think it's just so hard. It is. People think that they can work on it if they do Mondays and Wednesdays from one to four. It's not like that. And other stuff comes in that you got to make money from. And that prioritizes your podcast much downer or much further down on the, on the, on the list. Um, so having done this for about a year, are you, is it too short of a time or, are, or have you picked up some insights or some aha moments um, just on podcasting in general from when you started? Yeah, a lot of what I've realized is that the Jeff Ulrich interview uh, from Earwolf, he was great because he was saying there's no silver bullet. You know, there's a lot of small wood bullets, but you, you can't just think your podcast is overnight going to be a massive hit. Yeah. And, so for me, like little things kept me going, like getting an email from a listener, right? Or getting even an email from a friend who listened, getting people to share it on Facebook and Twitter that I didn't even know. Like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff kept me going. And the tips I would say is, you know, I actually part of my business is working with companies and, and brands and entrepreneurs to launch their podcasts. Okay. And I think that, you know, for me, I, what I didn't do and I'm, is I wish I would have made a shorter podcast name. But I was so set on the influencer economy. Yeah. And then now I, I call it stories from the influencer economy. But I wish I would have had a three or four syllable name. Because I think that's like when you think of like rooster teeth, 
you know, mm-hmm. rocket jump, nerdist, WTF. Like having, I wish I had a harder syllable, shorter name. Podcast junkies. Yeah. You're, 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 you're <laughs> junkie is a much better word than economy. But, but now that I have it, I wouldn't go back and change a thing. And for me, I'm, I think podcasting is one platform and you have to grow others via and use it as a vehicle. So, yeah, exactly. So I have a book that I'm working on actually big, big win. I'm finishing my book proposal this week. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And so I met, my wife is the final set of eyes that will be, uh, be on it. So I actually just worked on it before the, the Skype and, uh, it's also called the influencer economy. So I was, I, I wanted very much to have a consistent brand and, and voice. Yeah. And, and so in the book proposal, you know, I'm writing, you know, that I have this many shows and these are my guests and my guests are actually profiled in the book. And if you want to hear more in-depth conversations with some of my, my book subjects, go to my website and you can hear the full interview with Bernie Burns. It's funny because I, I, I've actually did something similar and it's the concept of repurposing your content. Right. And so, and so Nothing wrong with I, it. I took the first 25 interviews and I just finished up, um, uh, a first draft it's called uh, around the podcast campfire and it's interviews with 25 of the most interesting podcasters and i grouped them into subject areas the chapters um and then each and then pulled tidbits out um for each each chapter so that's been interesting um and it's fun to read through them again and it's sort of to to just listen to how a lot of times you listen to an interview so fast um through your earbuds and you get the gist of it, but it's not. There's nothing like actually reading the words on a piece of paper. This sort of the one-two punch really helps the the thought or the, the idea sink in. So you transcribe your podcasts? I do have them transcribed. Yeah. What service do you use? Uh, I use a, a company called Podfly. Okay. And how much is it? So, uh, Podfly. I think they're about a hundred and uh, it's it's all one one price. So I think it's like a hundred an episode, but it's it's an all-inclusive price. So they do some sort of they, they review, they have a, a monthly charge where they'll do a bare bones uh, editing for you. And then if, as you add the other services, it's a la carte. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're going to be at, uh, I don't know if you're, you plan on going to any of the conferences. Uh, there's New Media Expo and then there's Podcast Movement, which are two of the big ones for podcasting. Now. I like to go to one of them. I would go to Podcast Movement. Uh, they're going to have Sarah Spear from Serial. I always forget. Sarah Caning. Sarah Caning. <laughs> I don't know why I thought Spear. But... Uh, Aisha Tyler yeah. and Roman and Roman Mars. Did you listen to Serial? I actually am one of the few people who have not. Are you kidding me? But you live in Silver Lake and you haven't <laughs> listened to Serial? That just proves I'm not an Uber hipster. Uh, yeah. What a, I think I, I think I think what I'm doing is waiting for a time when I can just binge listen. I was so addicted to it. <laughs> I woke up at Thursday mornings and would listen to it right away. Like take my kid on a walk for an extra amount of time. I, I it was so compelling. I loved it. I also get, do you watch a lot of TV? I, I binge with shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad and The Wire. Yeah. the only, uh, we, We've narrowed down our TV watching, but now it's, it was, it was Breaking Bad it, and uh, now it's Walking Dead. And that's about it. You're not it. watching Better Call Saul? I am watching Better Call Saul. My wife is, refuses to get into that. What? I think, it was, I think it was really slow to start and she's just like, eh. It's so you know, good. Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad had me from like the pilot episode. I was like, whoa. Oh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Epic. No, never it saw it. Like yeah, I had nightmares so. after some episodes <laughs> when those twins got involved. It got it. <laughs> My wife and I one day woke up and we both had separate nightmares after watching. So we'd have to watch a show like Modern Family 
yeah. after Breaking Bad before sleep. Yeah, it got super dark, man. I was like, but it was just, I've, no one has ever taken a character. And I think Vince, Gill, Vince Gilligan said, um, missed from Mr. Chips to Scarface. I think that's always, the oh yeah, that's a great used. metaphor. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So, um, I, I know I want to be respectful of your time. I, I think one of the things I wanted to ask is as, and something I'm always curious of when I talk to other podcasters is, do you think you have a differentiating skill in interviewing or, or in putting your show together? Uh, or is it something you're cognizant of? I think if I have one differentiating skill, it has to do with connecting with the guests, which I think is separate than connecting with the audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on the audience part. I need to get better at it with my intros, especially. But the the skill, I think I connect with guests really well, and I feel like I get I get pretty good guests, and I can connect not only to them but also with them when we talk. Yeah. And then I, I feel like I can get very similar conversations from different types of people where we talk about overlapping things. Like for instance, I can talk to, you know, Freddie Wong, who's a big YouTube creator. And that's so different than talking to a sports podcaster like Ty Hillenbrand or Jordan from Art of Charm. Yeah. And so I think over time I can get people to open up and I, I have a style that I'm, I'm like yourself where the agenda is, is evolving and I have you know usually three things I want to talk to people about, but I'm very much like I take my work so seriously, but the process of working and hosting a podcast I don't, and so I try to make people feel at ease by making fun yeah. of myself or you know have, taking the light or being self deprecating about a, a situation that I think is always in in life I'm always connecting with people and networking and like you know we talked on the phone you know, probably about a half hour before this happened. And yeah. it's like, I, I'm willing to give people a half hour of my time all, continually if I think I can help them or they can help me. And I feel like that kind of energy comes through in the podcast. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a sincerity, right? Like you, you want to, you, you can tell when two people are having a sincere conversation, they're generally interested in what the other has to say. And it's just human nature that people want to hear or listen to those types of conversations. Yeah, exactly. And you try, I try to make the intros with the podcast, like the first five minutes of the podcast about nothing. Like I don't just always jump yeah. right in unless I'm yeah. pressed for time because I think you have to warm up. And sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but if I don't do a pre-call or talk to someone and we just jump into the podcast, the first 10 minutes are sometimes junk. Yeah, It's like you have to get to know them. And then you finally reach a moment where you're like, aha, We've now hit it. And then you have to like not even include the first 10 minutes and you've almost yeah. wasted the recording time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that warm up time. And it, with each guest, it's different. And that's sort of, you know, why I, I mean, uh, why I continue to put a bit more effort into, you know, deciding who's going to be on the show. A lot of people have sent me names. A lot of people have said, I'll be on your show. I have no idea who this person is. So, you know, you run a risk of just having a boring conversation. I think for me, it's such a, a, a podcast episode is such a precious commodity mm-hmm. that uh, I think that's why I just tend to treat each one like its own special jewel, if you will, and, and want to make sure that each one could stand alone. And make them evergreen so people yeah. can come back in three years and four years. And yeah. do, you, uh, do you respond well when people email you out of the blue to come on your show? I've had a couple 
people ask me more people ask me to be on on a show they have and right now I'm not turning down anything just you know I'm, I'm I remember when I was asking people to be on my show so I I tend to uh, accept a lot of those um I haven't had too many people ask me to um to be on the show because I think what's been happening is just I just get referrals from friends or people that I've had on the show myself and, and that's enough for now yeah cuz I I I feel like I've never People have emailed me saying, hey, I want to come on your show. I've never accepted one. Yeah, because you don't know them from Jane or... No, and I know they've sent out 25 (laughs) of the same emails. Yeah, it's a blasted, like, uh, templated email. I I jumped into Reddit the other day, and I was like, oh, I just want to occasionally stick my head in there because I have a a Podcast Junkies um, login and I asked, like, oh, just ask me anything about podcasting. And then it's like opens up a floodgate there. And there are like 10 people's like, oh, I want, I'd love to be on your show. And now I have all these people who are interested in. So I'm going to, you know, take the time to listen to their shows and see if there's any, that you know, people who are serious about it. Because, you know, there's people who are, like you said, if you you ask uh, to be on your show and then five episodes later they're gone. And like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was a waste of time. I think John Corcoran said the rule is if someone has 10 episodes, then he'll go on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I think that makes sense. So did you do an ask me anything that you just jumped in and? Yeah, I just jumped in, and I, I guess it was it wasn't an official ask me anything, but I then realized after the fact when I said ask me whatever you want, I guess that's the same thing. And uh, yeah, some people were asking some stuff about podcasting. So you always think that everyone knows everything there is to know, and you just forget that we're in this super tiny bubble of podcasters, and everyone that's it's podcasters, and then the rest of the world. Who has no idea how, what, what that word even means, and we can we see it in our own families and friends, right? So, did you go in the podcasting subreddit? Yeah, one of the podcasting. I'm going to try that. That sounds like fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you the link very, to the one. I'm I very did. curious. Yeah, I want to check it out because <laughs> I feel like Reddit in general is so random. Yeah, it's like it speed is. dating on crack. But it, what was interesting is I I got linked into a couple of interviews of guys, and I, I've got big followings. And one was like about comic books, and I think each episode was dedicated to a comic book ep- specific uh, episode and i was like oh it's just interesting so now i've got some more podcast homework but what it might do and this is always refreshing is just open me up to a whole new you know window of podcasters that are just as interesting um and just as engaging and, and would be just as much fun to talk to as the people that i've spoken to up until now yeah i get i like it so so last question, what, what, do you, what has got you excited about podcasting uh, in the upcoming year? I'm excited to, just for my own projects, get this damn book out and getting it. The goal is for the fall, for it to, uh, to rise up. And yeah. So it's 40 chapters Wow. and 30 of the people I'm profiling are actually from the podcast. So I'm very curious and excited to see if, if this could be a book that is potentially based off a podcast. Hmm. And I haven't really heard many of those things. Like I've never heard anyone do this before. I'm sure it has yeah. been done, but I think it would be really cool if this worked and that somehow a model moving forward is like, why would you just go and interview people for a book and not make content out of it? You know, what's the point to go meet Bill Gates and do a 30 minute interview that doesn't go on the web if oh, yeah. for your book, it, it seems like it's a waste of time and an opportunity to not only put content out there and give value to people, but also market your book, build an audience. Because you can't have a book just pop out, as you know. Any project now, you drop it into the ether and it won't go anywhere. You have to have a community 
early behind it. And so I think for authors that want to publish books, starting a podcast could be a good way to get your IP out there and some of your ideas to build an audience. And that's something you and uh, Tucker Max were talking about. Nowadays, what, what, he, what he said was important now to, is to separate the physical act of writing from the actual production of a book. You don't need to actually you know, say, put physical pen to paper and that's the only way you can become a writer. You know, the, the writing, the book comes from the ideas in your head. So whether those ideas come out because of you writing them or you narrating them to someone like Tucker's publishing company, at the end of the day, it's still your book and they're still your ideas. Right. And so you just got to get them out as best you can. And I'm a much better interviewer and talker than I am writer. Yeah, I've been doing that a lot more lately. Even just little things like text messages, notes to myself. I've been using Siri like crazy. And a lot of times you'd just be surprised how fast you can get the idea out of your head when you're just speaking it. What's your answer to that question? What was that? What's your answer to the question? What do you think is interesting about podcasting coming up? I think the the ability to speak to people who you admire and our connection is uh, we can get so close to these folks. And, and I think it, like you alluded to earlier, it's a small window and it's not going to be around for and it's closing rapidly because everyone's figuring it out. But I still think we have probably, a, you know, 12 to 18 months of time where we can with enough uh, gusto go after who we want to. And if, we're probably only one or two degrees of separation away from that person um, because everyone's excited about the space. Everyone wants to be on a podcast. Everyone is starting to figure out what they are and, and people at, who've been doing it for a while, like the Chris Hardwicks and the Mark Marins and Adam Carolla's, they're opening the, the doorways and, and allowing folks like us to uh, start the conversation. Yep. So you think we have a, a good year, year and a half? Probably. And then it's going to be just like another freaking thing. <laughs> like another Twitter, you know, another yeah. medium that everyone's on and it just, people ruin it. I was going to actually try a new tool for this um, interview that I couldn't get it to, to figure out how to get it to work. It's called Meerkat. I don't know if you've heard of oh, it. Oh yeah, I love Meerkat. <laughs> so I was going to say, oh, okay, I'm live interviewing uh, Ryan, but then I realized it was just going to be me talking because your audio was going to come It's just through. a live stream on your side. And then it would, that would have been like kind of monotonous. And so I got to do, I think, um, I think there's a technical mic connection thing where the audio gets cut out and you can actually hear it, but it won't affect, it won't, it won't cause that feedback loop. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what the technical term is for that, but I've seen people do it on pod. So they, I've seen people be on interviews with no headphones and the speakers coming out and they're not getting that feedback. So. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I- mix my, mix minus, I think it's called. Okay. Yeah. So. I like the live stream uh, idea. Yeah, live stream would be cool for so, real time questions. Yeah, it would be cool, and uh, I've seen a couple people test it out. So I'll be digging into that a little bit more. For now, they'll just probably have to watch me stroll down to the my coffee shop and buy my espresso with cur- curling your mustache, <laughs> curling my mustache. With your favorite microbrewed cold coffee <laughs> and your craft beer. Your, yeah, exactly. While you're drinking a craft beer and uh, skinny jeans, adjusting your monocle. Yeah. <laughs> And ride my unicycle. Oh, that you have a killer unicycle. Uh, so, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's so funny the way things work that we literally met uh, and spoke, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, last week maybe even. <laughs> and it was because of just connections we had in common um, through Esprit. So shout out to Esprit and, and also John Corcoran um, for helping connect us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. 
What's the best way for people to track you down? Uh, you can hit me up at influencereconomy.com or uh, on Twitter at Ryan J. Will. And if you look up Influencer Economy on iTunes, you can subscribe there. And then we can say, uh, if you've made it this far into the interview, just send a, a, a tweet out to either Ryan or myself and just say, I've been influenced. <laughs> I've been influenced, exactly. <laughs> we'll give that a shot. All right, thanks. Have a fantastic week. Likewise, you too.